This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Why should we preserve our old spaces? In a nation that prides itself on being young, new, and innovative, is there a need to preserve our old spaces? Marcus and I will explore these and other questions in a conversation with Mr. Claude Coleman, who is working to preserve and restore one of Asheville's historic African-American businesses, Rabbit's Cafe and Hotel. Marcus and I will be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. Glad to have you all join us again for the show. Glad to be here in the studio with my brother once again, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going? Brother? Going pretty well. Happy to be here and happy to have this this very important conversation about Rabbit's Cafe and Hotel. That's right, about historic preservation. And Marcus, when I was thinking about this and preparing for this conversation, I couldn't help, you know, I like to uh, quote people a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite people to quote is Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill had this very inter- interesting quote the statement that he made about historic preservation. And he once said that we are shaped, we shape our old buildings thereafter our our buildings shape us. Mm-hmm. And they really do. What do you think that he meant by that when he was talking? Yeah, about I, it's a very interesting uh, statement, especially given Churchill's own politics, which, you know, are, are checkered. <laughs> um, but I think the, the broader point that he's making is that there's a relationship between um, space and identity. Mm-hmm. Right. So so we we occupy space. But space also occupies us. Absolutely. And I think in, in understanding um, what it means to have a national identity, a cultural identity, a political identity, even a religious identity, um, space is a crucial consideration. Right. And oftentimes I think, um, especially in, in uh, you know, as, as the sort of pace of, of modernization accelerates, uh, it's very easy to lose sight of that. Right. To, 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 to lose sight of how... Uh, geography, um, to lose sight of how spaces are configured or reconfigured can impact our sense of self mm-hmm. and, our, and our sense of community. And I think that these are major conversations that are being had in many communities now about mm-hmm. the preservation of space, and I think particularly of communities that have been historically marginalized mm-hmm. throughout, the, throughout the nation's history. You think about African-American communities and that are suffering gentrification mm-hmm. now and displacement. Um, having this conversation, I think, Mark, is, is fundamentally important to this community and, yeah. and our community's uh, stability. Yeah, when you, when and, and I think I think it's important to, to, to raise that because you know the you know we've, we've talked on this show quite a bit about master narratives and how mm-hmm. those narratives are have shaped how African Americans understand their relationship to space. And and one of the narratives that we've had to combat is this narrative that that African that African Americans have no rightful space. Right. Um, and so really, you know, you're here. Um, you know, for you, you, you really have no no claim to this to this mm-hmm. space, and so and so that becomes again, you know, part of the the project of forging a sense of African American identity that relates in in a very integral way to the space of North America. Right, you are, you're absolutely right, Marcus. I think when I think about African American history, which I teach a lot, as most of our listeners already know that, I think about uh, the experience has been one of extraction. You know, you are extracted mm-hmm. and then you're put in a new location and then you're extracted again. I was recently participating in a conversation about Asheville Stevens Lee High School, mm-hmm. which is no longer the space, is no longer there. The gymnasium is there, but the school itself. But think about the impact of desegregation on this space, which was mm-hmm. so fundamentally important to the African-American community here. And you see this in, in so many other places. So I think it's important for us to have this conversation about what the space means. How mm-hmm. does it shape us? Um, I mean, it can put you... you 
you, depending on the building that you're in, it can put you in a certain mm-hmm. frame of mind. Don't yeah, you? I, I, absolutely, absolutely. So I think it's it's, it's a conversation that, that it, I probably is is even more pressing today than perhaps at any other point in the, in the right. country's history. So I've been really uh, glad that uh, to see this effort that is going on right now to preserve Nina Simone's home, mm-hmm. um, which is I think is a very important uh, a project that has been undertaken by the uh, the historic trust. Mm-hmm. Um, nationally and we're working with them locally on that project but um, this is something I remember you talking about taking yeah. your father to visit Absolutely. Nina Simone's birthplace mm-hmm. and how at the time it was kind of unkept but they're kind yeah. of they're already in the process of, of restoring that property which I think is very important yeah and and I think um, I think the example of Nina Simone's birthplace is a, is a helpful reminder that the act the act of preservation is a political act I um, um and that's and that's that's made abundantly clear when you consider the politics of Simone's music. Right. You're absolutely right. Well, Marcus, I want to kind of end this segment just with another quote. There was a quote that I found. I don't know where this came from, but I saw this somewhere and it just really stood out to me. It said that what a country chooses to save is what a country chooses to say about itself. And so making an effort to preserve these spaces these uh, the Af- that uh, reflect on African American history uh, other people's histories I think is important about what the nation says about the experiences of those people so we want to continue this conversation with Mr. Claude Coleman who as we said again is working on a major project here in Asheville surrounding historic preservation so stay with us and Marcus and I will be back in just a few minutes Again, welcome back. This is the Waters and Harvest Show again here at Blue Ridge Public Radio here in Asheville, North Carolina. Marcus and I are really, really glad to have you all join us, and we're so glad to be joined in the studio by Mr. Claude Coleman, who we said again is working on a major project surrounding historic preservation here in Asheville. Claude, thank you for taking time to come in and join us today on the show. Thanks so much, Claude. You're very welcome. It's really good to be here. Very good. Good. So, Claude, just really just starting out, I mean, we could start in so many different places, but what I'd like to do is just give uh, you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? How long have you been here here in Asheville? Just what, what, what is it that moves Claude Coleman? Uh, well, that's fairly complicated. I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> you know, we, I realize we only have so much time. Uh, I've been a professional musician for about 30 years of my life. I'm from the city of Newark, New Jersey. Um, Newark, New Jersey is, is similar to Asheville in, this, in the sense that there was a very strong, rich legacy of black community and history there, mm-hmm. a renaissance, if you will, that was more or less sort of raised, and uh, it's that still sort of continues today, the raising of the remembrance of the history, I mean, just all traces of it. Uh, so uh, I've, I grew up in Newark, uh, spent most of my life in New York. I've spent some time in London uh, hmm. on the West Coast. But I've been a mu- professional musician for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing music in Asheville for about as long. And I've ha- always ha- retained a connection to Asheville right. and, and the music community and the industry. And so I've seen the changes. I uh, used to play at a venue called Be Here Now on Broadway. It was the only music venue in Asheville, if you can imagine that. Um, where now the, the industry is is pretty robust and mm-hmm. rich, mm-hmm. so uh, 
having maintained that connection for such a long time and having toured here year after year after year, I made a decision to defect out of Yankee territory uh, and retrace the, uh, the, the, the path of my parents and mm-hmm. come back down to the south. They went up north. Their, their son grew up and came back down here. My father is from Newberry, South Carolina. All right. My oh. mother's Alabama. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have to take the moment, you know, knowing that you are, or, are from New Jersey, New, uh, New Jersey, mm-hmm. I have to ask you about Cory Booker, you know, and because, yeah. um, you know, do you know that Cory Booker has a connection to here to Western North Carolina? I didn't his know that. father, his far, father, Cary Booker, grew up in Hendersonville. Oh, and okay. um, in fact, I grew up knowing uh, Senator Booker's uh, grandfather. Oh, and okay. uh, it's, it's real interesting. So there's a, there's a connection even there. Well, Excellent. I want to just, you know, just tell our audience again that you are the owner, you are the owner of South Space. Can you tell us a little bit about SoundSpace, uh, this this group that you are part of? Sure. So when I decided to relocate here to Asheville about six and a half years ago, me being a musician, I immediately ran into the issue of not having a v- available workspace mm-hmm. to practice and rehearse. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it turned out, a lot of other musicians in the area were having very similar issues. Uh, this sort of spreads across the spectrum of creative arts, uh, visual artists, uh, multimedia artists, uh, uh, potters, um, all types of artists of every kind are are struggling with the issues of finding available space to work Mm -hmm. and hone their craft, which is a major uh, financial engine driving the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a lack of that resource. And so when I moved here, it was immediately an issue for me. I'm a drummer. I play other instruments, but my primary instrument are the drums. It's not an easy instrument to just set up next to a house, you know, depending on the the neighbor. Uh, So uh, it was immediately an issue for me. So back then, a partner and I decided to take up this mission to try to find and create a facility of uh, affordable workspaces for musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that began about two and a half, three years ago. Uh, the search for properties was uh, a bit difficult and challenging at times because I think uh, of the the trending nature and and the tourism related industry of Asheville it's very tourist centric it's very focused on the outsider dollar mm-hmm. it's not so much uh, you know focused on within and mm-hmm. what the community needs and the resources that we need to continue the things that are driving people to this area so it took us about two and a half years to find a a property we came across rabbits tourist mm-hmm. court i knew nothing about it our realtor showed it to us uh, uh we thought it was a great property we didn't think we had any chance in getting it because it was in the heart of the medical corridor i believe they had two cash offers on hand on their desk and i'm sure they needed the money like mm-hmm. everybody needs mm-hmm. the money mm-hmm. um and uh, our real my our realtor Implored, you have to look into this place. You have to look up what this place was. You have to look at the history, and I did that. After right after looking at the place, I went home and I just delved into it. And I delved into Southside history, and I delved into Block history. Why am I, uh, you know, the, Stevens Lee, and, mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And uh, I was just aghast that there was no representation of this amazing culture and history, right. which obviously it helped to create this amazing place and i was amazed and shocked that it wasn't part of the narrative i mean you speak of narrative and and that's an important component that was missing and so i i went back to our realtor and and i said we've got to get this place i want to create a landmark of this place i want to save this place i want to reconnect 
everyone to this amazing history, mm -hmm. and I, I want to carry it forward into the future. Uh, we didn't think we had a chance. Uh, our realtor recommended I write a letter to the family, and I did exactly that. I wrote, uh, I don't know, probably way too uh, long a <laughs> letter because I was my heart was just you know, beating mm -hmm. at it, and I, I explained to her what we wanted to do. We wanted to create this cultural and, uh, landmark. Uh, we wanted to recreate a soul food kitchen back into it. We wanted to restore its glory. Uh, and, and and reconnect people to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and very quickly they got back to us and they put us under contract ahead of two cash offers. All right. Wow, wow. And you know, I, I have to say, you were talking about playing the drums. I asked Marcus to let me just kind of insert this in. <laughs> um, I know what you're talking about, you know, having a space to do this. You know, when I was a kid, I did get a set of drums for Christmas, and they uh, slowly made their way out of my bedroom <laughs> right. to the front porch, uh -huh. and then eventually they just disappeared. You know, these right. are uh, right. my, my, my parents. <laughs> yeah, they, they must have thought it was a great idea first, <laughs> yes. until you hit them. You know That's what I mean? right. right. <laughs> I can only imagine you beating on those drums as a youngster, Dr. Waters. But, yeah, um, that's a great vision. That's a great vision. <laughs> So, 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 Claude, you've begun to touch on the history of this of this landmark um, Rabbit's Hole Cafe. Could you say a bit more about that history? Why is this history important for us to remember? Um, what is that history's role, as you understand it, in the sort of larger city? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, as I came to learn, um, the block of Biltmore's south side, that area, uh, mm -hmm. which was predominantly black at the time, is the oldest black business, one of the oldest black businesses District. in the South. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, to me, an enormous amount of pride in that um, that's important to connect to that uh, doesn't need to be cut off. It, it serves no one, it serves no community or any other generation to be distanced from that important pride. Mm. Uh, with rabbits, particularly, it was owned by one family for about 75 years, mm -hmm. nearly 70 years. So it touched upon every single element of, of black culture and black history and uh, and segregation era history. Uh, hmm. The movie Green Book right. you know, just came out. We're not officially listed, but it was in that vein. It was a black-owned business that was the only game in town, the only option in town for everyone who was migrating and traveling through Asheville in the South for many, many years. So it's tied into all this amazing black history, uh, black athletes, black sports teams. That was a primary lodging there. Um, the entertainers, Jackie Wilson, Richard Pryor used to stay there, I believe. Right. It just goes on and on and on. It's just enormous. It's, it's fast. So, uh, so Claude, when was it built? Can you tell us the year that it w it was built? It was built in 1948, mm -hmm. and it was a $85,000 establishment in 1948, to give you any kind of sense of how well off and how well everyone was doing back then. It was ultra-modern. It was state-of-the-art, mm -hmm. curbside service, uh, you know, gleaming white stone driveway uh it had a state-of-the-art boiler state-of-the-art pantry uh it was it was it was a, a well-to-do place right. it, was a, it was a place of luxury and 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 as well as most of the downtown here there was a lot of really incredibly strong um well-to-do businesses that were evaporated that were you know eviscerated just mm -hmm. raised over um so yeah, it began in 1948 48. and continued to about 2003 or so. All right, and you and you said um, 
that one family owned it for 75 years, so the, for mm-hmm. most of its history, I guess. Is that family still here in Asheville? Or they are. Where are they? Okay. they are, yeah, the birds who okay. I wrote to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, That's okay. great. And we're, we're building a closer and closer relationship. I'm going to try to be connecting with them over the next several weeks or so. They've saved a lot of materials, yeah. and uh, yeah, ho- I'm hoping to see like a guest book of some kind, a registry right. or something, but I'm, I'm just looking forward to all the oral history that's going to pour out from them uh, and uh, and I'm meeting more and more community folks that are explaining that history to me as right. well and filling out all the gaps as well. See, see, it's so meaningful to know that they have preserved so much. Yeah. And it sounds like that this is a family that really does have a deep historical sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, just so many of the spaces here in, in Asheville, which, you know, my hometown, uh, that relate to African-American life have disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so right. this is, I think, is to be applauded what you all are doing with, with yeah, absolutely, and, and what the family has done. Yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier, Claude, that this is a cultural landmark. And sort of continuing with that, with that idea, could you say a bit more about uh, what will be developed within this space right. um, and what people can expect to see, experience right. um, once uh, this, this very important um, landmark reopens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're going to create a practice space facility. There'll be four music rooms that you can rent by the hour or by the day or you can block out. Uh, those will be for the purpose of musicians and the music community of every kind, of all kinds. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of workshops, a lot of clinics across the board uh, to really, really foster arts in some of those deprived sort of areas in our community they, community where there is none. Um, so it'll be a facility of studio rooms for practicing. Uh, then toward the end of the year, in our second phase, we're going to reintroduce a soul food kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's going to be run by Clarence Robinson. Mm-hmm. He is naming the soul food kitchen Aretta's his after his aunt who was apparently killed in rabbits no oh, oh uh, rabbits has a lot of history yeah. and that <laughs> segregation era history it was off the radar so you know it's even more than that probably so we're going to recreate the soul food kitchen and when that comes around we're going to get it designated as a landmark a local landmark we're going to get landmark status <laughs> and then we're doing a murals project on the entire property from bottom to top depicting the history depicting the travelers, depicting that era, um, and um, just really, uh, just just illustrating it in a really amazing, creative way, and we're mm-hmm. gonna pull in a lot of um, persons of color, right. artists in the city, to, to get into that. So with the murals project, uh, and the, the art, and the connection to history, and the soul food, and the music, we feel that you know we're creating and we're fostering this idea of diversity mm. in sort of the most natural way possible you know using these cultural bridges which is food and music and history and art mm-hmm. right um if we can you know i feel like it's my duty to sort of create those bridges and those opportunities to reconnect everyone for the purpose of healing for the purpose of inspiration uh i think i think people need to understand and know this yeah. history they need to Understand that people, you know, the, the the scene and the creative nature of this town didn't happen in a vacuum. There was a mm-hmm. long, you know, cycle, yeah. many cycles involving many different persons, mm-hmm. and that's those are all important stories mm-hmm. to include in the modern day narrative of Asheville. And in my opinion, it only makes Asheville stronger. Diversity is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. I go home back up to New York City, and I tell you, this is about the only thing I miss about not living up north. But um, I go back home to my city, you and see. I have Dominicans and Puerto Ricans and Haitians mm-hmm. and Jamaicans. 
Pagans. <laughs> and that to me is the true, truest mm-hmm. idea of freedom mm-hmm. when anyone can walk and just feel free, when you're not like, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like you're watched upon or what right. have you. So, you know, I feel like the, the minimum I can do is, is try to create and foster that sort of idea. Yeah. So, you know, so Claude, we've talked a little bit about locally, we see locally what we're doing uh, and what we haven't done to preserve these spaces that are important to mm-hmm. uh, to African-American history, important to the larger narrative of American history. Mm-hmm. You know, as a professional historian, I've talked a lot about the fact that the African-American experience doesn't necessarily fit well in with this narrative that we like to have of American history that is kind of a triumphantless narrative and the African American experience hasn't been there. Rabbits grows out of the segregation era um, period that in which it was built to serve um, to, to serve African Americans. It made me oh. think about um, Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham uh, jail when he's talking about having to travel and sometimes having to sleep in your car because there's no place that you can mm, go. So, that's right. so Rabbits is, was fulfilling that need uh, that mm. people in the African-American community had. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to ask you about your perspective about historical preservation, especially within the African-American community nationally. How are we doing with this? Are we – clearly there we need to do better here, but how are we doing nationally? Do you, that's that's a tough question to answer. I can only sort of see what's around me, and, in, and here in the area of Asheville, it, it's a bit shocking. It's – still feels like it's sort of continuing with the erasing of this history. When I first mm-hmm. moved here, mm-hmm. the Negro Hospital was raised to a parking lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of It was a second location of a brewery. It wasn't even a placard. It was something 70 years in operation. I'm sure some of the first black medical professionals came through there. This is nothing to touch upon. And, and that's just a few years ago. Right, yeah. And I think that's sort of similarly happening across the country in similarly like uh, heavily growth areas where there's all this gentrification and, and development mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what the answer is per se. I'll, you know, I, all I feel like I, I can do is my part to uh, to uh, uh, create these opportunities to mm-hmm. reconnect to this history. Uh, overall, I mean, I, I can't uh, say what's happening in other areas, um, but it seems very similar across the board that mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of uh, cohesion that needs to be. I think there's a lot of fractured uh, entities yeah. sort of here and there um, that need to kind of bi- bind together and figure it out and get on the same table. Uh, and I think that's about the only way that it's going to happen is if we do it for ourselves more or less i mean that's basically the answer i mean no one else is going to step up and save anything yeah for us right right yeah and, and i would just say i really think that uh this project is an opportunity for the city to, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm, I'm a transplant, I'm not from Asheville, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity for the city to actually add some credibility to its claims of diversity, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think right now um, is a bit um, is a bit hollow, quite quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> right. So the going phrase for any of my friends who come to the area is like, amazing place, love the area, where are the black people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, first yeah. my mom, where's the black people? Yeah. Oh, there they are. But yeah, it's, yeah. and that's a very interesting thing too because for what we're developing there are a lot of initiatives in the city pu- pushing that racial equity and inclusiveness yeah. uh, thing and in, in, a, in a very small minor sense I'm becoming kind of a poster child for this right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but I'm happy to do that because this I think it's really important 
I think the the, the, the the thinking is in that right direction, yeah. you know, and it's healthy. So I'm I'm proud to be part of it, encourage more of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It'll only make Asheville way cooler, Bitter, way yeah, stronger, right. way more fun. And it's going to bring in just so much other attention. It's going to bring in black mm. folks from Detroit, Harlem, Newark, you know, Bronx, whatever. Right. That's a whole other class of, of, of tourists and just traveler coming yeah, through is, and being introduced to this area. That is only good. Yeah, yeah, which is greatly needed. Right. Um, so, so Claude, is it, are, are there other projects for you on the horizon um, that that you want to mention that may be related to, or perhaps not related to mm-hmm. uh, this, this this project right here? Not related to specifically mm-hmm. rabbits. Uh, I mean, but as a musician, I have no less than about seven hundred projects going on. <laughs> right, of course. I have my own project. Uh, I'm a drummer, as I mentioned primarily, but I'm a singer songwriter, a multi instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. I have my own group. It's called Amanla, mm-hmm. which ah. is Power and Zulu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part of the African National mm-hmm. Chant. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm doing some new music for that. I'm about to head out on the road for that. I'm very excited about. But I, I have many, many projects, many fingers dipped in many pies. Um, yeah. In terms of how it relates to rabbits, I think everything relates to rabbits, yeah. and rabbits relates to everything that I do and that I am. So, uh, you know, it's all part of, of the same cauldron of soup. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's a non-answer sort of. Yeah. No, mean, no. Uh, well, it seems like you, you uh, have generated a good deal of interest here in the community about what you're working on. Yeah, we sure uh, And especially from key people. It sounds like you're getting support from key people here in the city, which is good. The general public, however, how can the general public find out more? And what ways are there for people in the general public to get involved in the work mm-hmm. to help support it? Sure. Well, uh, we have a website, um, soundspaceavl.com, that has most of our updates and news and information on it as far as the the, the development of of the project. Uh, We've been just doing so much uh, legwork and uh, uh, running on the ground. Uh, I'd be surprised if no one hadn't heard of it. uh, Mm -hmm. um, I just plan to kind of keep out there. Uh, Right now, uh, we're trying to build as much as possible, as much community capital Mm -hmm. as possible. Um, and uh, that's getting our story and our mission introduced to a lot of people. But right now, we have a, a few limited sources, uh, that including our website and our Instagram okay. profiles. Uh, as we get more developed and as we get closer toward opening, uh, we'll make a big to-do of it. Okay. And yeah, we'll definitely make do a you lot have, of noise. Do you have an opening date yet? We're kind of shooting for the fall or so. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, we have a big uh, fundraiser we're planning um, uh, in Blue, Blue Spiral Gallery in uh, September or so. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're going to have some music artists. Uh, I would love to have some of your grandfather's photos okay. as part of um, the uh, the fundraiser, not necessarily just to sell, but just mm-hmm. in terms of having that spirit there. Okay. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is some of the muralists that are doing their project, we're going to get them to donate art and we're going to sell that. Uh, so uh, that'll be coming up in the fall. Okay. Well, Claude, I'm telling you, Marcus and I are glad to have you in just to talk about this important conversation. I, we need to continue this conversation about historic preservation, especially among marginalized communities and especially within the African-American community. So, Marcus and I want to continue to follow this work and have you back to see how things are developing. We're glad to support you however we possibly can Absolutely. do that. So you can count on that support being there. But we want to thank you again for taking the time to come in and just talk to us a few minutes about this today. So so thanks for, for stepping in. Marcus and I will be back in just a couple of minutes.
Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. This has been a great conversation with Mr. Claude Coleman to talk about historic preservation within the African-American community. Marcus, I really enjoyed hearing what they're doing with Rabbit's Hotel, which is located on McDowell Street going south, going south just before you get to the tunnel. Yeah, and I, I think this is just a really, a really important opportunity to sort of resurrect an often overlooked aspect of the city's history. It is. It is. And it's very important. So, Marcus, again, we want to thank you all for joining us. And we want to remind you all again that the Watterson Harvey Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app and on iTunes and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And Marcus and I will look forward to joining you all again next time. Take care.